it has been a week and I am dead inside. It's funny. We were literally with each other. And yet I feel like when we don't record now on Mondays, life is life is empty and meaningless and, uh, and an abyss that uh, stares deep into my soul and my soul cannot bear the weight of it. You know, can I just, can we, uh, we get criticized for being a little bit self-indulgent, a little of a self, a little of a self-reflective, no. but uh, I, I just want to like say something. One of the reasons why I love podcasts, um, again, because, because of like how the medium um, um, works and it's all encompassing um, um, nature, you almost feel like everyone's um, conversation is a nice warm blanket because of headphones and like how car sound is mixed now and blah, 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 blah. Um, you really like great podcasts are where you feel like you're invited into that relationship. And there's something very almost Trinitarian about that, I guess, for lack of a better term. And I was, I'm listening to Catholic stuff. You uh, should know's 400th episode, which was phenomenal on Archbishop Pew. Uh, very, very good. And um, I was like, man, I just love the fact that like their podcast really is an extension of like their community and their love for each other talking about things the way that they would, would um, talk about them anyways, even though it has a catechetical tinge to it, it's, it is not this fake thing. It's this, um, extension of their, they're, they're like inviting us into their reality. And I love when good podcasts do that. I think it's, I think it's why they work and why they will continue to work because it, taps into this deep um, human um, need to be a part of a thing that's real and concrete. Bam! That's a, that's a bit too heady for this late at night. Uh, Plenty of Catholic dick jokes still. Don't worry. Oh We're good. We're good. Sorry, what was your point? <laughs> well, I kind of forgot. No, oh no, I got a point. I got a question for you. Okay, there's a, I, got a, I got an answer. Okay, what does Immaculee Ilibigiza a Rwandan genocide survivor, a Catholic apologist slash evangelist named Tim Staples, Father Donald Calloway, author and speaker, and Curtis Martin, author, speaker, founder, and CEO of Focus, have in common with Michael Gormley. What 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 did uh, they all have in common with this guy? Uh, they all love and admire Dave and Vickle. How did you know? And we're all going to be speakers at the Fullness of Truth Conference, August sixteenth to eighteenth. There you go. Nice. Where's 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 that? Uh, it's going to be in San Antonio. San Antonio. It's at like a fancy resort place. That's great. And they give you like a huge discount. That's awesome. It. And your homeboys, I... the Vigil Project, is going to be there. Oh, good for them. Good for them. Good for Greg Boudreau and friends. Good. For, I like uh, Greg and his wife and, and Andrea and those other people who are involved. They are good people. Yeah. So, anywho, I'm doing that August 16th to the 18th. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, if you're in Texas, uh, come hang out with me. Hey, can I tell you about a weird thing that happened to me yesterday morning? If you don't, I'll be sad. So, I wake up and I'm, I'm walking around the house in my boxers because that's what i do when when i wake up and in my mind i'm just i'm going i've been a bad bad girl (laughs) (laughs) over and over again and i woke up and i was like what what the hell is going on in my life that i'm waking up with fiona apple stuck in my head 
I'm quite literally like all morning getting ready for work, eating, doing all the things that a person does in the morning going, I've been a bad, bad girl. I've been careless with a delicate man. And it's a sad, sad world what was when a girl can break a boy just because she can. Don't you tell me, dude. And, I, you know, the whole thing. Was that the was video a- where she's in her underwear the whole time? Yeah, and, like, there was a part of me that was, like, I should be attracted to this, but I'm not, but I kind of am, but I'm not because she's so weird, and this is just, like, I'm very confused here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was one of those videos that, like, uh, the, like um, you saw, and you, were, and, and you were, like, I should probably turn this off because it's a little bit too hypersexual, but, like, I'm not really getting anything out of this, so here we are. Yeah. Yeah, I remember looking at that video being, like, well... Clearly, they're at the uh, downside of an orgy of a of a drug fueled orgy, right? Isn't that because there's like just people in their underwear everywhere? I I don't think that's I don't know. I I mean I honestly, but it's like do a like remember. a party house. I think, but I think the idea is yes, yes, it is a party house. Things, but I don't I don't think it's implied that there's an orgy going on. I think it's more just like uh, it was the late '90s. That's as much as you can apply yeah. at MTV. I, it, it just it just kind of like felt like it was um, more about people are just stripped down to their bare their bare elements and are just kind of like Ugh. yeah. I hated that. Like I was like I mean I <laughs> young Michael Gormley wanted to like beautiful people <laughs> in their underwear, beautiful women. Let me rephrase that. But beautiful like, women. The, but the tone of it, it's not like it's not attractive, and I, I think that might have been the point. Yeah. I, please don't go in and look this up anyway. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't remember. I'm like, I remember having a thought of like, this is supposed to be hyper homosexual, but it's not. <laughs> that's funny. so. I think that's the point is that it's not hyper homosexual because it's. I don't know. It's 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 right. kind, it's um. Man, I forgot. I think I've brought this up before, but it bears repeating how angsty Gen X was. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like, we're anxious, yes. but we're not angsty. Right. We don't hate everything. Right. Gen X hated and was just disappointed. Gen like, X from 14, 15 to 35 was a collective eye roll against society. <laughs> yes, exactly. Ugh. And that's why The Simpsons nailed it when Homer was in a Nirvana-esque band called Sadgasm. <laughs> did, you, did you ever see that episode? It was a later episode. I um, vaguely remember that. I do remember when he's at a lot like Homer Palooza or something like that. And it's just, um, God, oh, that's right. That, that was the name of the episode. But it's, okay, so like there's these two film Critics who I love, Emma Garrison and a Leach, they have a podcast, but they're so like negative about everything all the time. And I'm, I have to remind myself, that's right. This is what Gen X is all about. Yeah. Ugh, man. Ugh, so exhausting. So, anyways, yeah, I, uh, I all morning had that in my head and didn't really know what to do with it. So I just kept, I'm walking around going, I've been a bad, bad girl. Huh. Weird, right? Fiona Apple wrote the biggest hit of her career in 45 minutes. Her album uh, title and the song was Criminal. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. 
I I like that song. I thought it was a very good song. No, uh, it was. I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that is one of those um, songs that, that when like thirty to forty years from now, when a person's going to have like a playlist and we're, and you know we're going to hear it, and then we'll, you know we'll all go, oh yeah, that song. But only us will really care about it. Like only people who remember hearing it on the radio at that time period who was of a certain age, either high school or like, you know. I don't I I, I do wonder were people in their twenties into that song. Yeah. I'd be curious to know from anyone who listens to the podcast who was so like not in high school, not in college, if you were in your twenties, early um twenties, when that song was big, did you like that or was it just high school kids and you know, who who were into it? Huh. So, do you want to hear something weird? So, everything about Fiona Apple is weird. Yes. So, she released the song, which is about using her sexuality to get what she wants sex, power, attention. Okay. Her lyrics imply that these actions are involuntary but regrettable. She's telling herself, either with conviction or as a warning, you don't need sexual gameplay. You have talent. You're smarter than that. But she's also feeling guilty for giving into what she knows. But here's the crazy thing. She was raped. Oh, no. When she was, like, 12. Oh, And gosh. then she plunged into an eating disorder. She said she was so scared of men that after she hit super huge... Uh, she's on the Billboard Top 100 for like 20 weeks in a row between Tracy, yeah, yeah. Between Tracy Chapman and Alanis Morissette. <sighs> they said, Tracy Chapman. That's, oh, yeah. She's amazing. That she was so scared of men that she would often never sit next to them ever on. Uh, oh, God bless. Yeah. Her. Like at a restaurant or something. Ugh. And so she said the video showing sexual deviance made people yell hypocrite because she's saying. Uh, you're, you know, talking about whatever, you know, and here you are half naked, completely naked, blah, blah, blah. And she said, uh, she's not trying to be a nymph. She's showing sexual deviance to capture the guilt she felt for using sex to get her way. And so it's all this stuff, but she was so thin. Um, it was because of her eating disorder, post rape and all this stuff. Wow. This took a dark turn. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Man, I never really analyzed the lyrics, I'll be real honest. Um, huh. I do remember. She took the stage, when, and this is, this goes right yes, to your angsty no, comment. She took the, the stage. The MTV thing, right? Yeah. 1997 yeah, yeah, yeah. MTV Video Music Awards to accept her Best New Artist statue and told. And she goes, um, this world is bullshit, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just remember that happening and being like, all right, I'm 14 and I'm down with this. <laughs> Heaven help me for the way I am. Save me from these evil deeds before I get them done. So essentially, she's walking. The, the music, the song is about her walking between her absolute hatred of her body. So she says basically, the reason why I'm nude or semi nude is because I hate my body and I'm terrified of looking at a mirror. Um, so then she forced herself to be half nude so she would have to watch her body in that way. So again, again, this is the brokenness of our culture. Yeah. seriously, This is the brokenness of our culture. I will say this about 
Gen X, their popular artists had some stuff to say. Like, say what you will about, like, Beyonce. I don't know if Beyonce is really saying too much. I mean, like, I, I get the whole female empowerment stuff. Um, I feel like Emily and Christian are going to kill me for saying this because they um, love Queen B. And I'm, you know, I'm down with Queen B. But um, <laughs> no, I'm not. Who am I kidding? I, I, um, but I, I feel like Gen X artists, like, really had some deep um, things to, to express and express them well. And I don't know if a lot of a millennial, I mean, I don't know if that's actually, uh, hmm. What do you think? Like, that's pretty deep. That's some pretty deep, heavy stuff there. I rarely buy into the depth of music <laughs> people who make it mainstream. I don't know. Like, I have a, like, okay, so Criminal, it's her, it's her debut album. So she's not as tainted by the machine at this point. But I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, sure, yeah. I mean, that, but that's heavy. I mean, that's like, you have to admit, that's, that's heavy stuff that she's trying to work through there. That's not... Right. Okay, so let's compare that to a um, song that came out at the, at the same time. Tell, so tell me of what you want, what you really, really want. I'll tell you what I want. Uh, um, what I really, really want. I want up. 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 Like, Luke, I have to say this. You doing that with your speech <laughs> impediment made that... <laughs> Such a delight to my soul. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, and I'm trying to remember like like the words, but I can't just stop and think. I have to say. If you want to be my lover, you have got you gotta, to give. Got got to give. Make it last forever. Now that's the way it is. Oh, Jen Despise, you were so awesome. Yeah, oh gosh. Woo. Oh man, Woo. man, love Jen. I feel like we've talked about this before, have we? Yeah, I think so. Ginger <laughs> Spice, the podcast or in real life? Yeah, it's like Ginger Spice. Totally, I'm down. Uh, uh, scary spice, totally. Uh, posh spice, you know yep. that you have to bend the knee, right? You know, <laughs> yeah, like, you know, yeah, she's yeah. the elite. We yeah. all understand she's the elite, but you know, it's yeah. like, but at the end yeah. of the day, ginger's where you got to go. You you want some, you want some, uh, you want some ginger in your life. I, man, ginger spice, I loved her. Is this wrong? Are we horrible? No, you're horrible. I'm perfectly fine. <laughs> You're the one that brought up criminal. I'm the one that decided to read an article about it. Let's, uh, well, goodbye. Okay. No, no, but I actually, actually, I, I just, I kind of want to because we're gonna have some church talk here. But I, I would like to maybe talk a little bit about this idea of, like, what do you want out of mainstream pop music? So, okay, let's take a band. Wait, I'll from tell you that. what we want. Fiona Apple in 2019 and 2020 is donating the earnings from. TV and movie placements of her song Criminal to While They Wait Fund, which assists refugees with basic necessities, immigration fees, and That's legal amazing. services. She's probably made so much money off of that. I, I, I bet you that she that she like lives off of that song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But hasn't. I mean, because she is. So let's think. If she um, wrote that song, she probably um, made around nine on the cents. Anytime you heard that song, she made about nine cents or so. Yeah. Break it down with taxes. So let's say she made like, and you have to pay, all, you know, pay her manager. So every time you heard that song, her take-home pay was like one to like th- one to two cents, maybe maybe up to three cents. But think about how many times we, you have heard that song, and then multiply that by like a billion. Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Okay. 
What we're saying? What do you want out of mainstream? Um, what do we want out of mainstream music? Okay. Oh no, no. Sorry. Sorry. Here's what I was. Here's what I was going to say. She's probably built like a whole. She has like I would imagine she may even have the career that she kind of wants. It's like a small like indie thing almost, but she's able to live like a rock star because of that song. Yeah. 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 So okay. So I have to make a huge um confession. I like really like Hanson, like a lot. Like old Hanson or new Hanson. Yeah. Both. Whoa. I think. Okay. So. Okay. When I was 14, I hated Bob. I heard it all the time. Right, right, right. I, I, I mean, like, Emily and Christina ruined my life with that song, especially Emily. It was mm, a bop. little bit much. Bop, bop, do, yeah. bop. Bop. Skip it out. I'm not. Bop. Dot, dot, do. Now. <laughs> uh, homeschoolers sh- from Tulsa, Oklahoma, I just have to say. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, one step removed from you. Yeah. I mean, basically, is me. <laughs> what if they're like and thanks to, to gomer and this is a picture of you in the 90s with your little chin beard and like a silver ball necklace <laughs> i had one i had one i totally did oh i had one of those thick ones in the year 2000 mm-hmm. to, to bring in the new millennium of course you did it's fine i i had a hemp necklace with shells um, I had a hep necklace with a miraculous medal, so I was <laughs> going to one Steubenville. One of those Steubenville conference attendees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, oh, shit. But I okay. So then I remember when I started to learn how to drive. Hanson's uh, second album was out, and or when I was driving, I don't, I don't really remember. And like Emily had had this rule that if I drove. She got to choose what we listened to. Oh man, totally the opposite in our family. Really? Yeah, it, the driver decides. So you had to suffer growing up with all your older brothers. Well, you probably were like exposed to like good stuff then. I was exposed to gangster rap, which I loved, and then insane <laughs> clown posse, which I despise. <laughs> <laughs> insane clown posse. I love that your brother listened to insane clown posse. I really love that. Can you imagine what it's like driving? When I'm 16 and he's 18, and we're driving from Tulsa to Salina, Kansas, five, six hours, listening to ICP for three hours. My brother was a straight juggaloo or whatever they call him. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and you would hear songs about killing and eating people the entire time. And so, like, that's – I can understand why you would enjoy, like – I can understand why you would reject that, but embrace Limp Biscuit because <laughs> it's like I'm so used to this. There's a part of me that is attached to this kind of stuff, yeah. but I can't do this, but I will do that. Hey, when Tupac died, rap died with it. What was the successor of Tupac and Biggie? Master P? Master, oh, do you remember Master uh. P? Uh, Do you remember people would walk around with no limit soldier necklaces, like especially white dudes with like peachy or like faded mustaches? Oh man, the Eminem. Remember Eminem when he began with that combed forward, frosted blonde yep. hair? Yep. I I can't tell you how many friends I had that looked just like that. What yep. a terrible look! I didn't really dye my hair blonde until my senior year. So, so f- summer of 2000, we used hydrogen peroxide yeah. to dye our hair. And I f- and when I started going bald in um, college, I was like, oh, gosh, is this because we use hydrogen peroxide? Because I got like, obsessed with coloring my hair. I did it like dark red. It was a weird time in Luke's life. It was. Gone was the perm. Hello was the <laughs> red. <laughs> yeah. 
Can I tell you a thing that made me so, so angry today? Please do. And then, then I promise we're going to get to the real um, conversation. Okay. Um, well, I got a couple of fake things to talk about before we dive in. Oh, good. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, all like, about music. I, all about music. It's no, funny. Uh, yeah, no. I, I want to get to the like mainstream on um, music. So that's what I meant by the oh, whole conversation. Okay. Screw the church stuff. Woo! Woo! <laughs> all right. So, as you guys all know, in high school, I used to work at a grocery store called Dorothy Lane Market. Yeah. Now, when I when I worked there, if you were a dude, you couldn't have on facial hair. You could not. Ha- you could not. Ha- you could not have earrings. I was able to have facial hair when I came home from college because I was only on a, on a, like a quick break. But you know, whatever. So when I turned 18, I got my cartilage pierced because it was 2001. Oh, you had your cartilage pierced? Yeah. Like and a lady. I, <laughs> I freaking loved it. I got a whole speech from the people who own pierced saying you have to make sure. So like me and my friend, um, Joel. Joel got his ear pierced. I went and got my cartilage pierced. We got a whole speech telling us, hey, you guys have to make sure you have to, like, you know, guys always forget they have to, like, twist their earrings and stuff. They have, they, um, have to clean it out every night. Not me. I twisted the hell out of that thing. I loved it. But my work, they made me cover it up with a Band-Aid, and I had to take it out after, like, a week. And it takes two to three weeks or so. I don't, I don't remember. It takes um, longer than that for, you know, like, it to settle. So when I was going into work, I had to almost when I came home, I almost had to re-pierce it. Not quite, but pretty much. Ugh. And I was like, this isn't worth it. it you know, and, and it, it it didn't hurt, but it would unbleed a bit. And I'm like, this isn't like like I'm just like this isn't worth it. I'm gonna stop. You know, so I was always kind of so you know, like honestly, had that had that not been a rule, I would have started college with my cartilage pierced. I have no doubt of that. So like um, you would, so we've had all these memories of me having my um, cartilage pierced. So I go there today to go buy some food, and the guy who's bagging my groceries, he you know has an earring in, and even when I had mine, I had to cover it up, oh with a band aid, and, and then I saw the guy who was the um, cashier had, had like that like peach fuzz um, like a peach fuzz on um, the mustache thing that all like you know like teen boys have because they're idiots. And I just thought, mother effers, they don't have those rules anymore. That's not fair. Ah, <laughs> I got ah, so ah. angry. Because <laughs> uh, I, I loved my earring. That is so funny. So um, my um, kids, I told this to you, but I, I don't think I told everyone. And if I did, I already apologize. But my daughter, Katiri, and, and Cecilia are in love with me without you. Mm, I love it. And they are now in between songs. They are requesting you know, stupid childish pop music and then me without you. Shannon could not hate it more. I cannot love it more. It makes my heart so happy. Um, but the funny thing was my son, Thomas, who just turned four today. My son, Thomas, is accidentally in love with a band. Now, Luke, I'm going to try to get you to guess the band. All right. Okay. New metal. Christian. Huh. Chevelle. I wish. Very similar. S- Skillet. Yep. Oh no! How? I th- okay. So there's a song called "Monster" by Skillet. Yeah, they got big. It was weird because I remember them in like high school, and they were kind of a not a joke band, but no one took them 
I enjoyed their their early stuff, but wasn't real into them. They're kind of a, they were always just kind of like I'm a there. And then tail end of college, I remember being at a, like a some girl's house, and they were real into skill, and I was like, "What the hell?" It was weird. They like blew up. Okay, sorry. Go on. So what ended up happening was, um, I think the song "Monster." So my girls have never seen the show, but they like the music to "Monster High" or something stupid like that. Is that a what is that? It's a children's cartoon all right yeah there's like ever after high and monster high and blah 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 high school musical so they all have these music well it's funny because high school high (laughs) (laughs) so they have all these the school from varsity blues yeah tan um bayside high i don't want your life your life (laughs) so anywho throw the big skin i think his voice was trying to say like blah 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 from monster blah, blah, blah. and it's like monster from skillet and the alexa starts playing it and it is like this hardcore all that stuff right he is in love with it oh no your son likes new metal my at one point my wife goes to turn off the song and he goes, no, this is where the drums are. And there's like, <laughs> the song ends, and then there's like a full second of silence, and then there's like a, dr- not necessarily a drum solo, but it's like a drum and then guitar solo. Yeah, kind of like, thing going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like. is so funny. My son loves that song. So he loves Monster by Skillet and The Resistance. And to hear a three-year-old, Daddy, will you play the resistance? And you're like, the what? Play the resistance by Skillet. <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing! All right, here we go. So that's what we were doing. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, he comes out? He's got he's got like a Bud Light in his hand and has, and has a NASCAR hat. And he's like, "Daddy, play some Skillet." So that's how I imagine Skillet fans. Are. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Shannon should be kind of happy with that. <sighs> Deep down, oh, Shannon loves new metal. She is not a fan, Big fan of, of new tool. metal. She no, I know. I'm is just only a fan of terrible pop music. <laughs> okay, so here's getting back to our point. If, if I mean, if uh, just unless there's anything you want to add to that story, no, I no, no, I kicked that thing to death. Go on. Okay, so um, I really enjoy Hanson. Hanson's great pop music because I when I drove, I had to listen, and I hit a point where I was like, "Son of a bitch, this is actually really, really good. Like, this is really good." And then flash forward to like two thousand, like um, nine or ten, I had a good buddy of mine in who, who who's now a priest, um, Father Steve Blackston, and he goes, "You need to hear this song," and he plays it, and it's I've been thinking about um something by Hanson, and he's and he goes, "It's like the Blues Brothers are back," and it's this amazing Blues Brother esque um, uh, like song. I'm like, "Holy crap! This is Hanson. This is amazing." So. Huh. I and then I went back. I mean, it, true. It is a very good, like big band, um, big band like jazz rock kind of song. It's so cool. Uh, big horns. It's. I mean, it's a freaking great song. So I'm like, you know what? Like, I I do remember. I'm, I'm liking Hanson. Go back, hear their second album, and I'm like, that's really good. That's a really good album with some really great songs on it. Then I go and hear the first album, and I'm like, "All right, let's do it." I hate I hate it in Bop, but I hate it in Bop because I was I'm 15 and I was a dude, and you're supposed to hate in Bop when you're when you're like that age. Hear the song, and I go, "Son of a bitch, 
That's catchy as hell. I love that song. Ergo, I like stupid pop like Hanson. I, I, I wouldn't even call it, I wouldn't even, sorry, I don't think it's dumb. It's just catchy, it's very catchy rock music. And I like, I like that stuff. I think it's fun. But then I also like Criminal by where it has, which is like an incredibly deep song. I, I like deep songs. I, I like when there are pop songs that are like deep and heavy. I feel like that's hardly ever the case, but I do enjoy both. I, I think there's room for both at times. What say you? Uh, I don't. I think pop music, whether it's the 80s, the 90s, or the aughts, or the teens, is 90% trash, 10% artistic credibility. Because you, you can't ascend to that height without being incredible at something. And so I think even the men and the women who don't write their own music are supported by writers who maybe have deep thoughts and did a lot of reading. True. I think it's more true in the 70s. Like, um, I just well, read at a great the 70s, art. I feel like the music machine hadn't totally owned. I mean, it did, but. But but the people who were in the machine were writing. I mean, this is going to yeah. sound insane, yeah. but like, um, I can't, I cannot. I remember the guy's name. It's, it's I want, like Paul um, Williams, maybe, who wrote all the music for the Muppets movie. There's a great article in the Atlantic a, about this. Those are really great songs. Like they actually kind of have a lot of um, depth to them. Like you know that that song um, by Kermit the Frog, where he's like um, he's like other oh, lovers, the dreamers, and me. Like that one. Yeah, it's Paul Williams. Yeah, that's a, the old-fashioned love song. It's a great song, and he was like a studio guy who wrote tons. But like that, I thought he had songs that kind of had some depth to them, and he was like a studio machine writer dude. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, go on. Well, I mean, that, so that's my thing. Is like it's even though you have, so me and you have a band that we love called Project Eighty Six, and they have this wonderful thing that says. You were conceived on a storyboard in an uptown high rise. Town high rise. Oh, that is such an amazing song. Right. And so the idea behind that is that's where the artistic vision is outpaced by marketing, uh, by market analysis. This is what the people want. So let's give them that. I always think of Steve Jobs where they said, uh, you know, how'd you focus test this? And he goes, focus it. Why would I focus test it? And they're like, well, let's see what the people want. And he goes, the people don't know what they want. I have to tell them, right? So the whole point was, I'm going to give them something radically new that they'll need. How can I focus group an iPhone when they've never had anything to reference? You know, whatever. So, but there is this artistic element that bleeds in because, well, number one, you have, like, take someone like Celine Dion or Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey, mm-hmm. right? These are women who have artistically... Uh, you know, Aretha Franklin, the most incredible and powerful voices. They might not write their own music or they might, but they can command because of their fame and talent, the better writers, the more complex songs. So I, I could see why in within, even within pop music, which is meant to be, you know, a catchy hook, you know, a uh, uh, slutty man or woman there you know, kind of peddling it as the lead thing. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can see how depth could reach. I don't know if I would say 
in the 90s there was more depth because you have songs like whoop there it is that oh, but then so you, much fun but then you also have um danger uh, gangster's paradise in the same billboard top 20 of the 90s so they're both in the top 20 whitney houston's from the bodyguard soundtrack mm-hmm. um dolly parton's version is better i <laughs> never heard it Oh, it's so good. Dolly Parton, I, I, uh, I feel like she's kind of had a bit of a, a, a resurgence in the past oh, week yeah. as she appeared at some um, festival. But, man, her version, when she, uh, I love the song Jolene, especially slowed down yeah. 800 times. It is so nice. incredible. It is, no, it re- like, when it is like, sorry, not, sorry, not 800 times. It's um, slowed down by about 100. It's awesome. It sounds like this, just like, um... Like it's just like this sad, heavy, like deep, slow blues song. I'm pulling it like, up on YouTube, everyone. In the show notes, you'll have access to all of this. Dolly Parton, Jolene, 33 RPM slowed down digital version. Yeah, it's oh, like it's, this is a slow jam. It's really good. I like, like it, and I like both versions. But it's it. You kind of see how country connects to the blues when you hear that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I just okay. So let's that let's actually go back that. Someone far. commented on the slowed down version. Wow, this black man sure can sing. <laughs> I was trying to not say that. I was trying to be like, I gotta. I guess uh, it's keep so going, good. keep going. So when okay, so when you go back to like early um blues stuff, early um, country <laughs> music, right? I know it's so good. It's so good. Jolene, 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 Jolene. I'm begging of you, please don't take my man. Jolene, Jolene. Please don't take them just because you can. Oh, that yeah. is funny, right? It's it's really really good. So, anyways, um, okay, so take the song, um, uh, um "Long Black Veil" by um, Merle Haggard. I think yeah, it's a really old um, country song, depressing as hell. Really, really good. Ten years ago, on a cold dark. There was someone killed neath the town hall lights. There were few at the scene, but they all agreed that the slayer who ran looked a lot like me. And it was, I mean, that's You've like a mentioned pops- that song before. It's uh, we either on here or we talked about it. In the, so do you remember when we were in the car driving to Dallas doing yeah. the live show there? And we just yeah. listened to sad country music. Yeah, <laughs> that was so great. Yeah, that was awesome. Sad. That was great. What is that song called? Wait, wait no. What was the other Dolly Parton song? Um, that uh, we are, I will always love you. Yeah. Yep. She recorded. She may have written it. Actually, I feel like she wrote a lot of her stuff. She was kind wow, of the Taylor Swift of the 70s. Yeah, she was Taylor Swift before Taylor Swift's parents were probably even together. Wait, this is the same song from. Yeah, it's the same. Like, so the so I believe she wrote it with probably with 
another person. I could be totally wrong about that. It but says, I, I want to. 1974, uh, someone commented, Whitney's version makes your knees weak and gives you goosebumps. Dolly's version makes you break down and cry like a baby. <laughs> because, like, in the Winnie Houston song, she's got that part where she, like, hits a high note yeah. uh, in the last um, chorus or whatever. Yeah. And it's great. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it. the rest of it's pretty boring. I, I just think. Dolly Parton is the writer, sole writer. Gosh, seriously. She's more Taylor Swift than Taylor Swift now. Double Taylor Swift. All right. All of these Taylor are in the show notes, people. As Luke is talking, I'm taking quotes and putting them on Twitter, such as podcasts are the Trinitarian, <laughs> or like an encounter with the Trinity or whatever you said. Yeah, whatever. So, Everything listen, you I'm, say, I've been posting on Twitter and posting links to the show notes. I'm drinking Platform Beer right now, which is a great beer based, I think, in Cleveland. Uh, Christina's boyfriend um, works for them, so we always have a bunch. So I've been drinking. Nice. Here we have uh, podcasts are an extension of the Trinitarian life, for the lack of a better word. Hashtag things <laughs> Luke says. And then the next one was, Lucas had his cartilage beers when he was 18. <laughs> Uh, you can find that at Lay Evangelist because that's what the Lord needs me to spread. That's amazing. So, I don't know. We can never have a real conversation. Nope. Like, the sad part is, is this is how our normal conversations are. This is 100%. This is it, people. It doesn't yeah. get better than this. I, I just think that I don't, I feel like on the majority of pop songs now, like in the 90s and in the, I would say probably a more in the 80s, you started to have more of your corporate uh, songs are supposed to have profound, big meaning, like you know, heal the world, I'll make it a better place. Oh yeah, uh, like the song about like Africa, like things where it's like we care about things, and it's yeah, more of a but marketing it's so thing. On the nose, yeah, it's it's too. But in the seventies and in the sixties, I mean, if you, I mean, if you take a look, I mean, it it was not a gigantic album, but if you look at Beach Boys' Pet Sounds, I mean, that is a revolutionary album. That was a pop album. I mean, quite literally changed music, changed popular American music. And it's a pop album. Yeah. And I don't think, I mean, look at I'm Sergeant Pepper, exact same thing. I don't think we have, I mean, I don't know, that could have just been like the time because um, rock and roll was so new. Let me ask you this. Sorry. Yeah, 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 go. Has the lyrical punch or depth been transferred from rock and roll and pop into rap because rap in a lot of ways you have two very different currents of rap you have the glam rap lifestyle faux gangster rap your puff daddy rap the puff daddy rap the master p rap the nelly rap even though i'm sure some of these people were real gangsters I just mean like that front where you're where it's all about the gold fronts and it's all about the blunts you 40s rent cars and, in your videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. Blunts 40s and bitches. And then you get the rap uh that has its roots more in the purity of the genre of hip hop where it is specifically like slam poetry set to music where they understand where they're one step away from like that kind of poetry. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a real art. It's an actual artistic expression of a lived reality. So that's where, like, I don't know. You can have 
a bunch of dumb songs. You can have a bunch of on the nose political songs, and then you have someone like, um, I I, mean, I can't even think of one right now. I mean, like I think of everything from Cardi B as cheap, shallow, emotionless. Yeah, I don't know enough about her stuff. I do l- like, but I, I I would be inclined to agree. But I think that's why I like Lizzo. So she's got a song that I really like called Jerome. And it's basically about a breakup. It's not a like, you hurt me, screw you. It's That part's kind of there. Yeah. But it's also about like, I want you to know, like, I found you attractive. Like, obviously the guy maybe had some... In, like in, like insecurities she's you know she's almost like she kind of goes back and forth between this whole like i'm hurt you've got to step up i'm done but then also like this whole i'm grateful for you and i hope you find happiness huh. and i want you to be it, like it's actually like it's got some depth and it kind of goes back and forth between like what a real um, breakup is like which is this you know like the good and the bad like the parts where you say you know, I'm done because of this, but it hurts that it's over because of this. Yeah, so I, have, I like I have, that. I have a conundrum with my kids, a spiritual conundrum. Do you remember the song in the '90s called "Informer"? Oh, health effing yeah, love that song. Informer, armor, hey your kids not doing got a day. Licky boom boom down. Yeah, the part that I always enjoyed was the part that I understood where it goes. Um, they, um. Because I'm from Jamaica. What are you saying is everyone thinks I'm from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so but my home is something. Yeah, so yeah. funny. Okay, so there's a new song by everyone's favorite uh, reggaeton star, Daddy Yankee, who has made a massive comeback since 2005. Um, and Katy Perry did a song. Are you familiar with this? Uh, no. Con Calma? Nope. I know this solely through Kids Bop, but it is set to the music of Informer. Huh. And someone said, wow, you're listening to Con Calma. And I said, yeah, why? And he says, you obviously don't speak Spanish. And I said, nope. And I know there's a problem. And they said, yeah, it's all about hitting on a girl in the middle of a... Like a dance, you know, he's a, it's just sexy woman, right? On a dance floor or whatever. Move that poom poom girl. She's a murderer when she dances. She wants everyone to see her. I like your poom. I like your poom poom girl. Calmly. Oh, that would bother me. Right. No, but it's a great song. I love it, especially the okay, kids' sorry. bop. Especially the kids' bop version. <laughs> yeah, kids singing songs like that. Yeah, what could go wrong? Con calma, yo quiero ver como ella lo mena. Con calma. Translation according to Google: 
calmly. I want to see how she wiggles it calmly. <laughs> but here's the thing about, okay, so compare that to. They call you the queen of the party. In pharma, that song actually has some depth because they believe. It's about his dad who got ratted out and got arrested yeah. and is in jail for life. And he's like, I can never do that because it like it took my dad away or something yeah. like that. I love, short, I love the little, if you've never heard Informer, I'm going to have to drop some of it in here, but uh, it opens up with a so little gross. skit. What's up, man? Yeah, yo, what's up? Yeah, what's going on here? I'm sick and tired of the 5-0 running up on the black. You know what I'm saying? Yo, Snow, they came around here looking for you the other day. Word, word, busted. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. I, so... I was, I, I mean, I was, I had to be like, I was seven or eight when that song came out and I was obsessed with it. And then like two to three years later, I got all my cousin's old albums cause he got real into alternative music. So he gave me all of his like older stuff that he didn't want anymore, which was like Cypress Hill, that, that album <laughs> that had that song on there. Um, Michael Jackson, um, dangerous. <laughs> Trying to think what else. Yeah, I got like all this old stuff and I could just like I just like got obsessed with it. Oh, it's so funny. Okay, here you go. Here here's your line. So listen for me. You better listen for me now. Listen for me. You better listen for me now. When uh me rocka the microphone, me rock on steady uh. Yes, uh daddy me, snow me, or the article Don. But in and uh, out a dance, and they say, where you from, ma? People dem say, you come from Jamaica. But me born and raised in the ghetto that I want ya to know, uh, pure black people, man, that's all I know. Yeah, me shoes are a tear up, and uh, me toes just a showa, where me a born are in the one Toronto. So that's right. He's Canadian. Informer. Yes, I know that. Me so. But like that's a straight <laughs> up like Jamaican. Down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish we played that song at, at my wedding. I think everyone would have lost their <laughs> mind. It was a '90s love fest. <laughs> I think Dangerous Minds was enough. That's true. Uh, minute after minute, hour after hour, hour. after hour. Oh, Luke, I forgot to hit record. <laughs> Are you shitting me? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> uh, what's what? going on in the kitchen? But I don't know what's tripping. So I've got to learn what nobody's here to teach me, except Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> Thank you, white women. Um, <laughs> uh, I want to take a quick break. Can we take like a one-minute break? Yeah, I'm going to go get it. my third beer. I love what it. What a lovely... I've, this. It's been a while since we've just had a fun um, conversation about stupid pop culture stuff. I don't know. Last week was pretty stupid. Okay. <laughs> it was like 49 minutes long because I cut out too much to put in the Patreon. Whoopsie. <laughs> That's fine. All right. Be back. Be back in a minute. Yeah. If Hey, 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 everyone. This could be your ad here. Ooh. This Again, this could be your ad here. If you would like to have an ad, give us a um, an old ring at catchingfoxes.fm. Hey, Gomer. Yeah? Can you make the cover of 
on this episode the cover of the like Informer album? <laughs> Did you look at it? Uh, no, but I sure as hell remember it. <laughs> Informer Snow. Uh, image. It's like orange and black. It has him, and he's like a '90s haircut. Oh gosh, that is so awful. He's oh, he old. looks horrible. Yeah, now today. Yes, there it is. So he's got this like, uh, <laughs> or one of the black and whites one with him and like the little spade looking thing on his shirt. Yeah. Oh gosh, I, I I'm so happy that we came of age in the '90s. I'm not. I hate the what? 90s. It's so Why? weird. It's this. Yes, it's so. But this also gave us Nirvana Unplugged. I mean, okay, I'll give you that. And Okay, also, think of this. One of the best songs to come out in that entire um, decade was the opening song on Melancholy and the Infinite Um of Sadness, which is just a beautiful piano track, which I don't know what the other instrument is, but it is incredible. Yeah. Do you remember that? Come on. They gave us that and then that. There you go. That's it. I'm sending Luke images from Snow. The second one is what needs to be the album episode cover. (laughs) So M just got back to me and said, boom, boom, down. I have that CD. (laughs) I'm asking if it's my copy. I love my sister so much. She's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, real real stuff, huh? Well, Luke, let me, can I, this is Year of New Things, right? Yeah, 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 let's do it. Let's Michael do it. Gormley's Year of New Things update. So uh, I have made four items uh, out of wood. Ooh. So Because I started woodworking because I want to do something with my hands. I made four items. Three out of the four are absolutely terrible. It happens. Three out of the four are absolutely terrible. All right, so that's one. Uh, other year of new things, I invested and opened my oh first boy. Roth IRA account in Vanguard. I went to Vanguard. I dumped $3,500 into the account. You can, with under Trump, you can get up to 6000 in a Roth IRA. Patreon.com slash CF. Patreon.com slash CF. <laughs> I put $3,500 in it. I'm going to open up. I'm going to try to max it out and then open one in my wife's name and max that out. And here's the crazy thing. So once you spend $3,000, then you can buy what they call Admiral shares of a stock called VTSAX, which is their, they invest in about 4,000 companies, the Fortune 500 or the top S&P 500 companies. And that, which this is crazy. The top, um, 500 companies in the United States are responsible for 85% of the wealth creation in the United States. Oh, wow. The top 500, 85%. So the S&P 500, which only measures the top 500, and the VTSAX, which measures an additional 3,199 publicly traded companies. So you add that on, uh, you add the five hundred onto that three thousand one hundred ninety nine. I think the last time I checked. So you have that right. All of those three thousand one hundred ninety nine equals fifteen percent of five hundred. That's amazing to me. So I bought exclusively all my shares in that, 
And this is the first time in my life I have invested in the stock market. And I have already lost $2.02 in the two days <laughs> that I've done it. It's right. I've been obsessed with the Robinhood app. And I have bought and sold so much just because I'm just I'm just um, playing around with it. But I've bought and sold stuff and bought tons of cryptocurrency. I bought all and put all into one stock. I, I really enjoy the uh, Robinhood app a lot. The gamification of investing. Oh, yeah. And holy crap, I'm down $10 because this one thing that I invested in went down $10. Don't tell Aaron. Don't invest <laughs> in the stock. So there's, I'm, I'm playing no, around. No, I know. There's two <laughs> types. This is what I've learned in all my research. When you're talking about the stock <laughs> This is market, what I've learned in the past three weeks. <laughs> uh, two months. Q podcasting about it. <laughs> well, obviously, I'm an expert. <laughs> I have a podcast. Uh no, there are two types of stock markets. There is the speculation stock market where it's all short-term, up and down, blah, 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 and everyone more or less loses. And then there's the I want to get my share of the American economy stock market, which is only long-term, and it only ever goes up. So that's that's my goal is to buy this. I just thought it was funny to check in on it, but... The goal is to buy this stuff, to max it out, and to never look at it again for a year. There you go. Nice. No, no, that's. I've never that's done great. it before. I've never, I've never put my money in a retirement account. I have nothing saved for, for retirement. I'm no, I'm very, very proud of you for doing that. I think that's fantastic. And then the next thing is me and my wife. My wife sent. She has ruined me, Luke. I love her so much, but sometimes she does things that just destroy me. And uh, mostly sex, but in this like part, she forces you. To... <laughs> that was better than my joke. Go on. Yeah, no kidding. Forces what? Uh, no, she sent me a link on uh, Messenger one day, and I fire it open. Excuse me, iMessages. I fire it up. I'm at work, not really paying attention to my messages, and I see it, and everything stops because it is a house. That is a little bit more expensive, but within reach of our income level. And it hits like nine out of ten buttons for us that we were looking for in, in in like a permanent dream home kind of thing. It's not flawless. No house is. It's got dormer. You know what dormer windows are? Not a clue. So you know how like like the roof slopes down? Like, you got a pitched roof, and it slopes down. And then you have windows that jut out. Like, they look like box windows that come out from the roof. Yep. That's a dormer window. It has... The kids' rooms are three dormer windows. It has a wraparound porch, and in the south, that's morally required. Um, (laughs) It has French doors to go outside right off the master. It has three times the size of the back and front yard that we have. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, it has a utility room and mud room that's in the back of the house. And it has a detached garage, which is what I want. There you go. That is works a little bit more expensive. It's a little bit more expensive, but it's been on the market for 68 days, 69 days by the time this goes out there, I think. <laughs> uh, no, 70 <laughs> days by the time this goes live on Friday. 
So you stop and think about it. It's been on the market. They keep bringing the price down and down. They dropped at 15 so far. So we Ooh. literally, one of my buddies, Nate, who did Exodus 90 with me, I called him up and or I texted him and I was like, hey, just looking at this house. What are your thoughts? What's going on? So he's like, let's go check it out. So my family went and we walked it. And he's like, just ask questions. Do you like it? Do you hate it? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? What, you know, and we did. And then he came over to our house with his real estate buddy. And they just walked through it. And uh, I wasn't here when they did it. But they were like, oh, yeah, we can fix this. I got a guy who did that. We'll do that. We'll do that. We'll do that. Yeah, we can turn your house around to sell it if you want. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this could literally happen. Holy crap, dude. Yeah. Isn't it weird how fast this stuff happens? Yeah. Well, so we had our whole downstairs. So there was a dude who had fallen on hard times, but he's an he's a perfectionist when it comes to painting. So we had him paint our downstairs, patch a bunch of holes that my wife one day decided, oh, I'm going to put, rip out all the pictures and fill in all the holes with tons of putty. And all of our walls are textured. So we're like, oh, okay, great. So paid this guy to come out. He's like, I'll give you the church discount. And I go, please don't. Give me the full price of what you charge your normal customers. He painted, he did a perfect job. He painted the ceiling, eggshell white, the walls, a neutral gray. We love, all of our trim is beautiful, bright white. We love it. To the point where we haven't hang, hung up any of our pictures because we like the wall so much. So I was like, are we getting our house ready to sell? I said that one day and she just goes, oh my goodness, maybe we are. That's funny. And now it looks like we just might be doing that. Holy, there you go, man. Ugh. There you go. Because, you know, there's not enough going on in my life. <laughs> Seriously. Isn't it weird with, like... It's called uh, a density wave. <laughs> yeah. I Like, I was just... I, so I had, I had a 20-minute uh, window, and I had to go and mow our front lawn. And I, and I had this thought of, like, this summer sucks. Now, there's been some things about it that have been great, <laughs> that have been really, really good, like, especially our... Uh, our uh, live shows, feel free to book one at catchingfoxes.fm. I really enjoyed that. We were in um, St. Louis. That was that was great. Like I've, There have been things about the summer that's been awesome. We bought a house. It's also been horribly stressful. Uh, we had, we thought we had to put our dog down on Saturday, which uh, I know dogs aren't people and blah, 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 blah. But this dog is very important to Wait, us. Wait, you had to put the dog home. down? We almost did. We oh, almost I thought put, you like, said you Sienna had down. to. And I was no, like, oh. No. Yeah. Oh no no no! If that was true, I'd be a wreck. Um, and so we we you know there was we had a, probably about a three hour a window where we thought that was probably going to happen, and it was um, you know awful for a lot of reasons. And if you don't like dogs, I don't give a shit. It was awful. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I and you know now she has a lot of rehabbing that we have to do for her and stuff. And and you know we've kind of I'm taking this attitude of like you know. She's one of God's creations, and it we're tasked with being good stewards of God's creation. So, in ways that are prudent and wise, we're gonna be good. We're gonna be good stewards with her. And so, um, but it's you know it's a little bit um uh, uh, it's kind of um demanding for right now. And it's just anyways, it's just been a lot. I, I just it's it's hard to function when like you have a lot of things going on. It can get very emotionally exhausting. Yeah. Do you have that going on now? If I didn't have a lot going on, I think I would just watch TV and play video games. Like, uh, I am liquid. I fill the shape of the container. And if my container is, hey, look, Gormley, you don't have a lot going on, I'll be like, better be a bad person. So I'm happy that the stuff in my life that demands things from me is my family, my job, and the things I love to do around my job. So... 
There's an element. Did, did that answer? No, no. no I, I, I actually think that actually think this is kind of interesting. Oh, kind of, just a little bit. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm like, kidding. no, I'm, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding. But yes. so you know what I mean? Like, are okay. you deep down? Are you? <laughs> so think about this. Uh, when I did Exodus ninety, the even though I've been done for ten days, I still find a reason to bring it up. Um, added to my schedule, which was already pretty maxed out, waking up at five thirty to meet up at Dosi Do's for coffee at six to talk till about seven fifteen, seven thirty. Go back home to record a podcast with Dave Van Vickle, or else go to work and record a podcast with Dave Van Vickle, and then get my day going at work. Like it was like in, it's so insane that I did that in the middle of teaching classes on Tuesday night in the middle, you know, whatever. But I feel like you add a thing, and if it's valuable, your life just forms around it. Like the the damn large rocks in the jar, than the little rocks around it. It's yeah, like this is a yeah. new large rock, and everything just shifted. Can, and it's like, can okay, you done. unpack unpack that idea really quick for people who aren't aware of what that is? Oh, the so it was always done in youth group for me. You have a jar, you have large rocks, small rocks, sand, and water. And you say, can all this fit in this jar? And people are like, no, of course not. So you take the small rocks and the sand, you dump it in. Then you put the big rocks. Big rocks don't fit. Take it all out. If you put the big rocks in first. Then the smaller rocks fit around the big rocks, and the sand fills up even more, and then the water fills up all around. You can fit it all in if you make the first things first. And it's a great way to do your calendar and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And so, great. Um, so I got a promotion at work, and I, I am now a director. It's going to be made official to the parish staff thursday so yesterday when you people hear this and my hope is or already what's happened is i'm like okay this is a different role for me right it's not just a title it's not just a little bit more responsibility it's a totally different role because beforehand i had a direct report now i have two employees right and i am responsible for forming these employees and not just administering tasks to an assistant right so i i moved up into the director role and my assistant moved into a coordinator role and uh i have another coordinator so basically all of adult sacraments are under me and all this stuff so it's awesome i'm excited i'm more than excited it i i am now on a quest to learn as much as i can to not ruin these people's lives who are now like placing their employment in my hands yeah, it's a big deal, man. It's a really, really big deal. Absolutely. And when I had a direct report who was my assistant, I didn't feel that weight. I was like, you're hired to take these awful things away from me. Go take all the spreadsheets away. Go make them run away. Give me people and you take the spreadsheets. But the amazing thing now is like my mindset has shifted to it's like, okay, I'm re- not, not just like, like, what does it mean to have a team with these two? What, what are we pursuing together? What are we as a group, the d- director of evangelization, what does that mean for preparing people for sacraments and all that stuff? So a big portion of what I want to do is make sure that these people have crystal clear expectations and that we're, we're talking about them. We're looking at different ways to approach them. And I am not a harpy descending upon them, screeching at them. What is the line? 
Uh, I want leaders and I got seagulls. All you do is fly in through the windows, squawk at everyone and shit on everything. And then you leave, right? Like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I've had a boss that was like that. I called him the periodic micromanager. He never had anything to do with anything. And then one day he would just show up, ask you everything you're doing, change it all and then disappear for another literally three months. And I terrible management, right? Right. I mean, that's terrible. It's the worst. It's, it's worse than just having a micromanager. It's actually counterproductive in a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. A, a micromanager doesn't trust you as the employee enough to do your job. A periodic micromanager doesn't care about you, and then when he does suddenly remember you, he doesn't trust you, right? So it's like the worst of all things. Because they think that they care, and they think that just stopping by and doing their thing is a sign yeah. of them caring, but it's not. It's the exact it's, opposite. Uh, it's, yeah, it's actually like... I actually think it's the worst form of management because it's lukewarm. What kind of warm? Lukewarm. <laughs> Luke, a la la Luke, Luke. I am your father, la la la. Um, no, thanks, but, Chris Farley. Uh, hey, oh God, bless him. He'd be in his fifties now. I wonder what that would be like. Um, yeah, no, that's because a really good employee, a good boss, makes you better. Exactly. Like, you know, like pulls you out and like pulls you out of your comfort zone, but not too far to where you, you know it wrecks you, but just enough. But just enough to be able. You know, okay, so here's here's what a really good boss does. This might surprise you, but when I was a chubby twelve to twelve to thirteen year old, I played the clarinet. Did you have a perm and at this time? This or is no? this is the perm time. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> I was in the junior high band, and I was trying to play this one um song. It's really hard part, and I was actually um practicing. And I was like, oh, I'm the fat kid who's playing a wood instrument. This is hard. And I was, you know, on my I don't own. Have in nearly the... the lung capacity of all the other healthier kids. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, so I was in, and I had like a study hall or whatever. And they, we were encouraged to, you know, at least once a week go to the back room of the band room and practice. So I'm there on the clarinet. I'm practicing. By the way, I love the clarinet. And, you know, he, he comes in. I'm having the hardest part. I don't remember any of the notes, but just. It was just like the difficult part getting from this one note to I think I had like two to three notes in between to where I was I'm trying to go and I um, couldn't hit it and he j- just um, worked with me the whole time and I got it and I was perfect at it from like that point on that's what a good boss does is they don't tell you on what you should do they 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 see what you are trying to do and they help you be able to do it no matter how long it it uh, t- takes. And the and I've seen especially in the church because people have a thousand of different things going on. They're in and they're out, and they're not really invested at all. And when they feel like they need to be a boss, they actually make things worse. Uh huh. One hundred percent. And so the the things that I'm studying, there are two things that I think are pretty powerful. Um, two concepts, and the the first concept is a boss pushes, but a leader pulls. And what they mean by that is the leader isn't asking the people to do something that they would not ever do. It's not, it's not only that they would do, it's that they have no problem doing it with them, but they're not going to settle for mediocrity, right? They're going to pull, but they're, they're like blazing the trail, kind of pulling you forward. And the other concept that I loved is this notion of um, positional authority versus relational authority, 
where, and this is a very American egalitarian type thing where a boss is positionally authoritative. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I have certainly done this where, because I have, I'm a boss and I have authority over someone. There are times where I can bark out tasks and I, I understand like, obviously, you know, we all have tasks and we all have roles in the boss's job. One of the main jobs of a manager is to delegate responsibility and manage it and whatnot. But the idea of, uh, like, I have felt in my life that the greatest bosses that I've ever had are people who essentially leverage their authority to to get me into a better place within my job as opposed to giving me a task and then disappearing and then yelling at me if it's not done their way. I would even say, I would go as far as to say now, a better boss actually will make you a better person. Yeah. And that doesn't matter if, I mean, it should be the norm if you are, if you yourself, if you're a boss and you yourself are Catholic, that should be the norm of what people, of what they, uh, you know, have to say about you. If you work for a Catholic organization, it should be expected and part of your organization's culture. So I do, I I did read this article that made me think about, because I get really big into like the business books and all that stuff. And wait, wait, no, Patrick Lencioni and who we had on the show and he was great. Um, I would love to have him on again. I I would love to have him on after he's heard our show a few times. Yeah. (laughs) But he, uh, he was phenomenal. Uh, Like all of his books I love, but a big thing for him is personal development, right? You have to understand the total person and your job as a boss is to be a mentor and, you know, all this stuff. You're still the boss, and you never lose sight of that, but you have to do it from this relationship perspective. So he talks about the ability to trust and be vulnerable and, you know, whatever, um, as leaders, right? So I read this article fairly recently from a Catholic publication, which is like how bizarre it is that our workplace is becoming like the the boss – is required to be your mentor, your friend, your teacher, your leader, your your surrogate father, your surrogate mother. Like, this is not a Christian understanding of an integrated human life. This is, it looks like work as a formative part of your life, but really what it is is work dominating your whole life. Where Who said this? I, I can't remember. I can't remember for the life of I me. I don't really know if I agree with right, that. Right, but what he, so what he's trying to say is when you study the leadership and management stuff today, it's all centered. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It's all centered around the the role of the boss is not. Oh, the techne. It's I'm centered around the um, techne. It, and so then when you're trying to be the boss, be all of these um, the things. It's because there's a void. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, sorry. It's, there's a void in everyone's life because we are no longer connected. And the last place of absolute required connection to other people is the workplace because you need a paycheck. And so the weight falls on the boss to be all to all, right? Almost like my criticism of the rebuilt you know, movement with the church nativity and all these different things is because Catholics won't evangelize, we're asking the liturgy of the mass to do everything. We're putting an undue weight on it because we won't 
have lay people that evangelize and live in communities of faith and do all this stuff. So we say to the mass, mass, you be the evangelist. Mass, you welcome the skeptic. Mass, you do all this stuff. I, I feel it's the same thing for, you could tell I have an axe with that. This, that's a very loose analogy. But it's the same thing for the boss. Like, your, your, your dad's not mentoring you and developing a skill. So you need your workplace, your boss should be your dream manager and your life coach, as well as the guy who delegates tasks and the woman who um, pushes forward profitability for the next quarter and blah, blah, blah. But I don't, if it's done well, I don't, I think you can do it. Like if, if you, I mean, it's, it's tough because it all depends upon ultimately the culture of your company or your organization but if you truly put people over profits or people over goals and so i've I've experienced this over at glen mary the best pastors i've some of the best pastors i've ever seen it's kind of insane and there's such a people first mentality there uh i like i love it and i really uh feel like the people there like i i was you know just telling people Today I love the I love the new president. I just think that he so um you know they don't have well I mean, they just call the vicar generals if you will unlike presidents. I don't know how exactly if it's a life or like thing, but anyway same like I'm the same idea. Yeah. You know I and I um, saw him today, and every time I am um, talking to him, I feel like he really gives a crap about me, and it makes such a difference. It makes I never had that at the diocese besides my immediate I'm a assistant supervisor. Hi Sean. Um, Hey, Who's been a long time supporter of the you, show? Luke. Sean's been a long time supporter of the podcast. Withdrawn. <laughs> um, you remember Sean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, Sean's you. great. Love Sean. Big fan of Sean. He gives great back rubs. Sean was there <laughs> when I made my big, my big uh, um, a prediction to like um, you and him, and you both were like, "I don't really um know, Luke." And what happened? Nothing so far. Was I right or was I right? No. You remember what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I made a huge thing about a particular person in the church who kind of runs a huge thing, and I said, it's messed up. There's something. I'm wrong with it. <laughs> well played, Luke. Well played. Anywho, okay, okay sorry. Anyway, just back in 2015, whatever. Um, no, but, like, when people really care about you, like, it's really, it's good. Like, it is good. It is unnecessary to have that. And so I understand that like what this person is like the idea that like you can't provide all of those all of that stuff because you're ultimately you are just a boss but I think you can do a lot more than people give it credit for like I I think it's possible to do like a lot of those things yeah I I I I guess uh, I guess I'm what I'm I'm saying that if you have a work culture that and this is very, 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 very rare. Most places don't actually have this. That puts people over profits or the dignity over of the person above techne. You can actually do that stuff. I think you can make people. You can be the father figure that people don't necessarily have. No. Yes. No. no okay. So I'm thinking because. Is that misplaced in a culture where I get what you're saying? Like, let's authentically Catholic, you know, whatever grace and nature commingling. <laughs> no, no, I get what you're saying, but I don't know how possible that is. Not just in a fallen world, but in a culture which only values a human person if they're productive. 
Well, it's never going to. I mean, okay. So here's here's the thing that I think is really hard to hard to accept. It's never ever going to be perfect. So I'm sure that even though I'm, I'm loving what's going on over at Glenmary right now, at some point in time, I'll get upset with you know um something. It's me. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not always going to be, to. You're Luke. You're fussy. That's kind of your thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God bless my mom. Um, also, though, uh, the, she sobbed. Oh, she she broke down. I'm sobbing when she found out she was pregnant oh, oh, with my sister because she thought it was going to be just like me. And she thought, oh, my God, I can't handle this. Oh, my God. This is impossible. <laughs> Thank God Emily was totally different. Yep. Um, so so anyways, like, like my point, though, is uh I think hints of, you know, like um, grace in nature, if if you will. I don't think the culture is all completely techne because if it um, well, was, it would be impossible for us to encounter the Lord. So there are hints of it where it does come out, so it can happen. What would you say is the opposite of techne in the workplace? Good question. Um, I think all of our listeners are asking it. Where creation is more important than production, so no one cares about efficiency. Now, I'm not saying don't be prudent or don't be wise. So, so I should probably a better way to put it would be that prudence and wisdom replaces effectiveness and efficiency, and it's more about creating as opposed to production. So I don't know what that means if you're building a car or a house. Like that's a good yeah, no no I, yeah no that that's a that's a good question. You'll go bankrupt. Like I understand what that means in a service industry where you're putting the customer first and you're treating them with dignity and respect. Like but uh, what about manufacturing? Yeah, yeah. Ritz Carlton has this line that I love. Um how they talk to their, you know, housekeepers and their front desk people and their concierges and the people that the bellhops and all that it says you are ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen you are not servants serving ladies and gentlemen you are ladies so if anyone who comes to our hotel treats you like trash as management we got your back but also at the same time like you need to conduct yourself as if you are worthy of that respect because you need to understand that you are and I, yeah. I like that. Like, and there, there's like some sort of Christian ethos there, apparently. But the, um, but outside of the service industry, when my hands are touching, like you working at that car plant that you cost Ford Motor Company three hundred thousand dollars in one summer, sure did. <laughs> it's not true. We made up for it <laughs> by everyone getting overtime. We stayed the extra ten minutes and fixed it. It was fine. <laughs> So, anywho, you, how do you, on an assembly line, is it even possible to do what you just said? You know, so I'm going to use GM as an example. Now, this is also kind of tough because they <laughs> it's closed down. So, um, right. I think Saturn it is closed down. Okay. So, I, I wait, wait, um, Saturn um, doesn't exist anymore? No. Huh. No, not how for years. That? I'm oh, sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I forgot I wasn't paying attention to Car Weekly. 
<laughs> Sorry. That's the only way you find out that a major brand of GM was shut I remember down. it now that I think about okay. it. Okay. Um, but their whole thing was, we are a family brand. Like, I remember their commercials were like, every station on the assembly line has a rope. And you pull the rope, and it stops the entire assembly line. And yep. anyone can yep. pull it for any reason. And it we has, had that at GM. Yeah. Yeah. But the idea was, no one's going to be shamed or penalized. Because it's about making the perfect car. And if you find a scuff, you pull the rope, and the commercial ended by giving us that rope. They've given us that chance. And people would literally come to the Saturn dealers or the factory and pick up their car. And the whole place would cheer them on. And it was like people say, it's like a little cultic. It's just a car. It's mostly plastic. <laughs> Excuse me. And... So the idea was... If I get into an accident, I am dead on the way home. Yeah. The the whole idea around that was to try to make a more humane car company. However, it can't sustain itself. Like, I don't think efficiency is ipso facto wrong. But I think there are ways of doing it where we can annihilate uh the human person and ways of doing it where we can where it cooperates with our catholic vision of human yeah. work human dignity and creation i mm, no i no i think you're right I, I think it's it's there is a temptation with people like myself who read a little bit too much balthasar to perhaps <laughs> read a little uh, bit too much of academia who never actually worked a real job in his Hey, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Listen, kidding, he was kidding. never a busboy at Olive Garden, I'll tell you that much. He didn't have to be. He was writing beautiful stuff that inspired generations. Yeah, of eight seminarians and Luke. <laughs> I'm getting so mad right now. <laughs> I love that man. I, I literally asked a question about something in high school. And I was sitting at this event with eight seminarians. This guy goes, you know, it's funny. Hans Urs von Balthasar said in the Theodramatics 2, and I go, let me stop you right there. I love Hans Urs von Balthasar, but I have to say that is the most seminarian sentence I have ever heard in my <laughs> damn life. <laughs> that or like, no, here's the thing. It's either the most thing you've ever heard from someone in it, like in the seminary or a drunk uh, Orthodox Catholic who really wants to know the Lord. <laughs> By drunk Orthodox Catholic, you mean you. <laughs> yeah. Someone who's drunk, smoking a bunch of cigarettes, just being like, ah, oh, what does it mean? Why? <laughs> Who am I? Who are you? We get it. That's what Upstate Francis prayed. But, sir, this is a bar. All right, folks. This leads right into part two of this episode, which is all about us yelling at each other literally for an hour and a half about what constitutes a just wage. The argument literally goes no further than how it opens, but me and Luke find a way to keep yelling until one o'clock in the morning next time on catching foxes. Yeah, no, I disagree so with you, you so what, because literally it says taking into account the role and productivity of each. Are you going to pay a Walmart greeter $70,000? But, but if they can't afford to get an apartment, what do you do? Right. So if, that's if they the quite question. literally can't afford to get an apartment, like, you have to. You Christian um, charity demands you have to. No, a just society demands that something has to happen. 
But I don't no, think no, no. it's well, the wait, role. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yeah. So, like, I, I do not agree with that. At okay. All. Be, because, like, you're putting, um, you're putting capitalism above the teachings of the Catholic Church. No, you literally just said. 